We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Welcome everybody back. Stay with Seth Fidel. I'm coming at you with Devin Shat of Kustos, the St. Joseph Consecration. You may not have heard of yet, but you will in the future because it's coming out with Tam Books uh, in the next day or two. It may already be out. I know it's on for pre-order. They just, they just released it. Just yeah. released it. Okay, so I, I have I have a hard I have the copy right here too. Uh, it's fantastic. But anyway, Devin, uh, welcome. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be on your show, Steve. This is this is fantastic. I appreciate you, appreciate your site coming on. And uh, so, why uh, consecration book to Saint Joseph? What got you motivated to do this? Yeah. So, uh, well, early on, you know, in my vocation of fatherhood, there was something that I discovered. I discovered that basically the vocational call to greatness of fatherhood and Saint Joseph are two in the same. You know, they're they're one in the same. The two are the same. But it took me a while to get there. And so it was early on after I wrote Joseph's Way, which was a book that I wrote to myself to try to capture a vision of fatherhood, spiritual fatherhood. I had this idea of, you know, writing a consecration through St. Joseph. And I wrote it years ago. But then in the process, I really realized that what we really need is a consecration specifically for fathers or men who are considering fatherhood or think that they have the potential to be fathers, especially spiritual fatherhood, because we have a huge void in our culture right now, as you know, of fatherlessness. I mean, there's a massive fatherlessness um, void, a void of fathers, a famine. And so this this consecration is like a spiritual boot camp with St. Joseph to really walk in his footsteps for 33 days, chronologically, scripturally, no funny stuff. I mean, and what I mean by that, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying not to be demeaning, but just Nothing outside the game where we're getting into maybe legends or, you know, hyperbole or maybe even what the mystics say. We want to we want to go right to the scriptures to see what the scriptures really have to say about St. Joseph. Walk with him, but then at the same time, develop spiritual practices along the way that kind of hone us in into this vocational call to greatness of fatherhood and masculinity and being a great husband. And so why did I do this? because I needed to be a great husband. I have a desire to be a great father and I have a desire to really know St. Joseph as well as I possibly can. And so that's really why I wrote it. It's a couple times I've done a podcast and I'll tell people, I'm looking at myself when I'm telling you this. Uh, So that sounded like what you were saying. You were writing to yourself about this. Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, that's the whole deal. At the very beginning I did not understand the call to follow the greatness, and I certainly didn't know who St. Joseph was. And it was in that desire to just start writing letters to myself. Suddenly through prayer, I just felt like I was on download and inspiration was being given. And then from that point on, um, I didn't even 
want to publish the book. And a, a publisher came and found me because someone sent the manuscript to them, a friend of mine to a publicist who sent it to them without me even knowing. And they called me and said, hey, can we publish it? And that's how things really started getting rolling with the fa Fathers of St. Joseph. But yeah, Custos is just really my own personal desire to not only know St. Joseph, but to follow him and to follow him intimately and try to live his spirituality. And that's the key to live his spirituality in today's day and age. And I think really fundamentally, you look at like the orders that are successful, right? You know, you got the Benedictines, the Carthusians, the Dominicans, the Carmelites. What do they have that, that we would want? They have an order, a way of life, a pattern for holiness. And so the human father, you know, we really haven't been given or shown a pattern of holiness really specifically or a rule of life. But I believe by looking at St. Joseph, we can look at him and see that he has a spirituality based on his four pillars, embrace silence, embrace woman, embrace the child, embrace ch charitable authority. And we, from, that, from that, we can derive our own order, our own pattern for holiness and our own way of life. Because that's like you say, we wanna be saints. What else is there, right? No, of course, yeah. I mean, you, if I want to be the most genius person in the world, but I fail as a saint, who cares if you're the smartest person in hell? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and even more torturous if you are, because then you you were so smart that you were so stupid that you didn't give your life to Jesus, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, we were talking, uh, did a philosophy thing yesterday, and uh, Brother uh, Francis in his podcast calls people educated fools. So that'd yeah. be an educated fool in that sense. Yeah, um, yeah. My mom likes to say they educate themselves into imbecility, you know? <laughs> That's a good yeah. one, too. Uh, yeah. So what is custos? What does that mean? What yeah, custos uh, is the is a Latin word for guardian. Um, like J John Paul II, he, he wrote that apostolic letter on St. Joseph called Redemptoris Custos, so guardian of the Redeemer. And so custos means that we're, we're just like St. Just like Joseph. St. Joseph was the guardian of of the Blessed Virgin Mary. St. Joseph was the guardian of the Christ child. St. Joseph was the guardian of the family, but he's also the guardian of the mystery of the Trinity in his family, because that's what the Holy Family is. The Holy Family is an archetype, a living human reflection, you know, a, a limited reflection, but a human reflection of the intersubjective love of the Trinity, the self-giving love of the Trinity. And so we as fathers, we're called to be custos. We're called to be guardians of women, especially our wives, guardians of children and their, their purity and their innocence, especially our own. And we're called to be heads of the Holy Family like St. Joseph, but we're called to be guardians of the mystery of the Trinity in our family. And precisely that's what's missing in our culture right now. Because if you look at our culture, our culture wants to redefine and malign the identity of the human family. And the human family in its essence is called to be an image that, as John Paul II says, reflects and reveals God. And so that's what the devil is trying to do with our culture, is trying to uh, redefine the family, try to redefine biological sex, try to make truth, transcendent truth, trans truth, that truth can change at any whim or fancy, which is a total fabricated lie. And so what's at stake here is the family is at the crux of the major battle. I think as Saint, uh, Sister Lucia said, she said the last battle between God and Satan will be over marriage and the family. And we're here, we're here. The devil is trying to plunder the family and redefine it. So yeah, I, I actually just finished the consecration uh, 
two days ago, three days ago. All right. So I know when we were emailing back and forth, I think I asked you in the middle of it. I'm going, well, you know, it's good that now we're going to be afterwards. So now I can read the whole book. Uh, yeah. And I told my wife one of the best things about it was well, not only was the virtue instilling more virtue or harping on the virtue or you know, trying to create virtue out of you, but the, uh, it had me doing the litany every day. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it's so amazing that something so simple as the litany to St. Joseph or St. Joseph can actually, okay, practically it alerts us to the noble virtues of St. Joseph. But what it also does is it opens us up to a relationship with St. Joseph to where he actually obtains grace for us and we're open to that grace. You know, I mean, you can't you can't pray the litany of St. Joseph and not come away with this idea that I want to be a terror of demons, that I want to be a pillar of families, that I want to be, you know, guardian of virgins, you know, that I want to be exemplar of all fathers. I mean, that's what he holds out for us in that beautiful litany. And he, he and it, it's at the service of fostering and see, this is what's going on. I think a lot of people in our culture, even very faithful Catholics, um, see God in a bad light. They don't trust God. Uh, they believe that God is either against them or God neglects them or that uh, God even wants to wipe them off the face of the earth or has destined them for hell. And yet by means of the Blessed Virgin Mary or even St. Joseph, what these saints do is they cultivate this tenderness, which this tender trust, this filial relationship with God. So we begin to see God as our father through the son, Jesus Christ. We begin to trust him and know that he knows what's best for our lives and he wants what's best for us. And so I, that's what I love about St. Joseph is he actually obtained that for me. He obtained this ability to trust God the father because he was the father, spiritual father in a sense, to Jesus, the son of God. Yeah, and I know you say you didn't want to talk about mystics in the book, but I, there was a mystic, uh, Beige, B-A-I-J. I'm trying to get a buddy of mine to republish that book. And uh, there was a great line in there when uh, St. Joseph asked or basically prays that his prayer isn't good enough. But if he unites his prayer to Our Lady, who at, he's like, I know there's something incredibly special with her that God will not not answer that. And I'm going, Amen. man, how great was that? Just thought of it. And then he goes, if, uh, to be a better husband, to pray to be a better husband for her. And I got a little bit of that from the Kusta, from your from the meditations in there as well. You didn't explicitly oh, yeah. say it, but I caught that idea from there, especially well, that's, that's, with the that's, practices. Uh, yeah, that's that's foundational actually to the consecration because what makes this consecration unique or different is that there's a lot of consecrations that are exclusively to and through Mary, and there's consecrations that are exclusively to Saint Joseph, but Kustos is different because. It tries to emulate Christ. To be to be a Christian is to live the imitatio Christi, the imitation of Christ, to participate in Christ as a head, we're the body. And so we want to do what he did. And Mary and Joseph, when Jesus was, you know, 40 at 40 days old, um, after her purification, the days of her purification were completed, they took him to the temple to consecrate him to the Lord. And what Jesus couldn't do for himself, they did for him. They they dedicated him consecrated him to the lord so that he'd be sacred and set apart and that's what we ask these parents in the order of grace the blessed virgin mary the most chaste spouse saint joseph we ask them to take us as their parents in order of grace take us their children and present us consecrate us 
to the Lord our God through Jesus, in Jesus, with Jesus, that we may be set aside for sacredness, for holiness, for a sacred mission unto the Lord. And this is like really in the psychology of, well, at least the old church, where you'd have a Mary altar and a Joseph altar, and in the center, you have Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. It's through their union of wills, through their marriage, their intercession, Christ is literally conceived, if you will, or represented on our altars. Well, that's what happens with us. Through Mary and Joseph's intercession, the Holy Spirit is continually renewing us. And yet, at the same time, when we come up from Holy Communion for the Eucharist, we are presented by means of their intercession to Jesus, through Jesus, with Jesus, to God the Father. It's beautiful. Yeah, and not just reading the book, ladies and gentlemen, but it comes with a little uh, sheet. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you go over? Can you explain some of it from the? Uh, I know the back. Well, I don't know which is the front or back, but you got seven <laughs> stages that correspond yeah. to the chapters you're reading. Yes. And on the other side, you have a practice chart. Yeah. Let me open up my book to the chart. Yes. Yeah, so on side one, you have the seven stages, and at each stage, you have a series of practices that you can choose from. Okay. So first stage is embrace silence. And so there might be spiritual practices. There's like one through seven. There's seven of them. So like like a daily morning offering or a daily litany of St. Joseph or 15 minutes of prayer with five minutes of silence. You know, this and, and you might say, well, that all sounds really easy. But when you apply this over the span of 30 days, 33 days, and you begin to compile those with other practices, you're developing a pattern for holiness, a blueprint for your life, a spiritual blueprint for your life. It isn't so easy. You find that out pretty fast. You know, it, it builds up. But so, yeah, that's the idea is that over the over the course of seven stages, you pick one or two practices at each stage and to begin to develop and they compile and they begin to develop a blueprint, a spiritual blueprint for your life. But this is the key. It doesn't end at day 33. The idea is that you have developed a way of living, a spirituality, so that day 33 becomes day one for the rest of your life, mm -hmm. you know? And, and then you can revisit this consecration and take on one to two more per each stage. And pretty soon you can live all 33 of the spiritual practices. And that's the key. That's the goal is to really no longer is I who live, but Christ who lives in me or no longer is, you know, I, I, I need to be like St. Joseph, a father on earth, like the father in heaven. I need to become an icon, a living, breathing icon of God the Father to my children, to my family, to the world around me. And so this tries to embody that idea. It's uh, just like Len, when you give up something, hey, Len's over, let's go ahead and just start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's creating exactly. a good habit after 28 days, create a habit, and then you keep doing it. That's like I mentioned, I, I'm still doing the litany beforehand. I actually wasn't doing it. Now before I go to bed, I, I got it right here. It's already right, earmarked, do the litany, do a couple prayers from the Father Rip book, and then bedtime. Yeah, uh, exactly. You also have on here like bi-weekly mom's uh, son mandates, daughter dates, bless your wife daily, bless uh, your kids, mm -hmm. avoid grumbling or demeaning family members, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> pray for each member of your family, things yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. One holy hour each week. Again, nothing, nothing reinventing the wheel, but things mm -hmm. probably people haven't heard Maybe even from the pulpit, from their spiritual directors, even if they maybe don't even know what a spiritual director is, but yeah. maybe not from any books or anything. So these are maybe some of these are radical ideas. Uh, bless your child daily. Many probably yeah. don't know they could do that. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, we as fathers are given the authority over our families to bless our children. I mean, that's that's just written in the spiritual life or the spiritual law. Whenever a father, a spiritual father, he has if he has authority over people, he's allowed to bless. And that blessing is not just pragmatic or or a nice token gesture like, hey, buddy, go get him. It, it, you're actually imparting grace. As Peter says, right? First Peter, I think, says we become distributors of God's manifold grace. Well, the human father, he's been given that position. But yeah, what's so unique about this is that those practices that you're describing, they apply directly to an associated stage that we need help in. Mm -hmm. So like embrace your wife. What does it mean to embrace my wife? Well, it means to actually bear her burdens as my own. It means to actually uh, sanctify her in the word. It means to actually um, die to myself. So what does that mean? Practically date night a week, 10 minutes, you know, a night with her where I'm just letting her vent and I'm listening. I'm not trying to solve her problems, you know, blessing her. You know, That's tough right there too. <laughs> praying with her. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever watched the video of the nail? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so hilarious. But that's the truth, isn't it? I mean, even women will watch that and say, yeah, that's the truth. You know? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but that's the idea here is that each of these stages, the practices are specific with the stage so that it becomes very practical, very fast. You're, that, and that's what God wants. All that is practical should become theological because what's the, theological, God has made practical through the incarnation. So our daily life, the practicality of it should lead us into the mystery of God's Trinity, you know, into his love. Yeah, just give you an example of, uh, for chapters one through seven, it's embrace silence. Eight through 11 is embrace secret sacrifice. Embrace your wife is 12 through 17. Embrace your child, 18 through 21. Build a domestic church, yeah. 22 through 26. Sacred images, you, you see it on his screen, you see it on my screen, definitely. You had to see the rest of the house. <laughs> Live liturgical life, 27 through 30. Work for God, 31 through 33. Yeah, that, yeah. I used to have uh, people, my wife was usually asked, why you got so many? Like on that side of the room, I got one, uh, 15. Just on that wall, just right. little eight by elevens, yeah. or eleven by seventeens. And she goes, "Why you do that?" I go, "Well, when I was growing up, I had baseball, NBA yeah. guys. Me I had too. those all over the room. No one cared about that." Yeah, but as soon as you put a picture of Jesus, Jesus up on your walls, they think you're a religious freak, you know. And <laughs> and you know, but but like the the key here is this: is if you do not have holy reminders. You know, if you do not have images, sacred images on your walls or statues or things like that, you know, this is what iconoclasm in the Protestant Revolution has done to us is that it has removed the idea that sacred images are, are meant to remind us of the eternal reality. You know, it's like when I see an image of St. Joseph, it reminds me to pray to him, to cultivate a relationship with him. You know, images of the sacred heart make reparation for my sins. But when we don't have those images on our walls, what do we do? We put up this hokey art of stuff that doesn't even matter, and it reminds us just how worldly we really are, right? So so we need and something that kind of tips us and, and just reminds us, hey, your purpose for your life is for heaven. Your purpose is for God. Especially so for men, we uh, fall oh, by man. our eyes. So we yes. have to keep, for me personally, I have to keep all this, in front of me to keep me focused. You keep your mind right. Keep you focused on what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Men, we are, we, 
we are very vis visually oriented, especially when it comes to the feminine beauty, the, the feminine body. And so, you know, Jesus says, he says, the eyes are the window to the soul. He says, if your eyes are, if they're light in your eyes, then there'll be light in your soul. But if, if your eyes are dark or what you let in that is dark, your, your body goes dark. He actually says your body goes dark. And that's very interesting because Jesus isn't just talking about the soul. He's talking about the entire human person. Not only does your interior soul go dark, but the actions that your body lives goes dark. And that's why in the resurrection of the body, those who live purely with their eyes are trying to bring in holy things in their eyes so they can live purely through their body. They will be resurrected to life. Whereas those who bring in the demon of darkness, whether it's through lust or pornography or whatever it is, through their eyes, envy or, or greed, what happens is then we live in eternal eternity with a body that is corrupt, you know, in a sense, with a body that's being tortured because it has not achieved its glorified state. So I, I agree. That's like like your surroundings, hopefully my surroundings, that's that's doing that for us. You know, it's letting that light of God in. Yes, and also for the kids. I mean, yeah. I've seen a two-year-old go, Mary, before. A yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. They're, they you get, it helps. It's not just for you. It's for, as you as you have in there, build a domestic church. Yeah. And, and it was so interesting is, and, and some people might, you know, scoff or uh, call us idolaters, but it's so funny. Like, we have a we have a picture of the sacred heart of Jesus on our wall. And, um, you know, sometimes I walk by and I'll see all these lip marks on the glass and i'm like what's going on there you know and, you know and is my my kids and my wife are kissing the image of the sacred heart you know and anyway so well that's people might say well that's idol worship bs no no it isn't they know that that's not jesus per se they're trying to give jesus a sign that they love him you know praising the lord with their lips literally yeah i've seen plenty of people before kiss a picture of their kid a picture or their grandma yeah. or a parent like that that's yeah not no one's ever accused them of worshiping their that image exactly exactly um what was one of your favorite chapters to write in here that or spiritual no, exercise no no one's ever asked me that and uh i'm not sure i think that uh it's kind of like your baby everything's good i understand <laughs> oh no 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 i'm not i'm not saying that i'm not saying that i will say that uh, after day 14 or day 17, I felt like maybe day 14, things start to wrap up, ramp up. Uh -huh. And I, I really felt like as I was writing it, that's when I got into a zone. I felt like the Holy Spirit was really inspiring me. In fact, I think I wrote this just in like maybe a couple weeks, maybe three weeks. And it was in that last stage when it just started rolling out. But, but one of the things that I that most people will miss that I really actually enjoy enjoyed writing is in the appendix. It, it was the original introduction, which I moved to the appendix and it's laying out why this consecration, why the 33 days, you know, the great battle of our time and all that, that to me was what gave me the fire in my belly, you know, in a sense to write it. Cause I wrote that first. And it just lays out the great spiritual battle that's before us, especially in our time with our culture and uh, why we need St. Joseph, why we need his example of fatherhood and what this means for the church. Um, it's no accident Pope Francis uh, called this year St. Joseph. You know, I mean, you know, um, 
you know, uh, I, I'm not, I'm going to be faithful here. But the point is, 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 it's amazing that that happened. I mean, it's just amazing. And what a gift. But what is God doing? God is saying, for such a time as this, we absolutely need his example of spiritual fatherhood. He's the go-to man. We've got to go to him for protection and direction. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not going to get on you. I mean, uh, he's still the Holy Father. Yes. He's, yeah, yeah. We've had yeah, bad yeah, popes yeah. throughout the centuries. If yes. we just study history, you could easily see this. Yes. Don't yeah. lose your marbles over it. We'll get yeah. through it. We'll have a good pope down the road sometime. We don't know when. But yeah. your yeah. job right now is to become a saint and get your family that way. Uh, I put in a podcast yeah. the other day. You can go to hell under a saintly pope. You can go to heaven yeah. under a bad pope, too. Yeah. And, and you know what else? Don't. My wife said this to me one time when somebody had betrayed me and done something, you know, kind of, kind of malicious. She said, don't let their sins be the cause of your damnation. Uh And I was like, man, that's so true. Because, you know, even though we can be right justifiably, it's it's the fact that we're wrong spiritually because we're we're not forgiving, you know, because we're condemning and we're judging, you know, and we got to we got to leave the ultimate judgment, the condemnation to God. Right. I think uh, Francis de Sales calls it uh, spiritual suicide if you let yourself get scandalized. Wow. Wow. That's huge. I love St. Francis of Sales. Yeah, he was decent. He was, he, was, he was a solid dude. I mean, he's, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, talk, about the, talk about being manly. He did the hard thing. I mean, he's getting attacked by dogs, sitting on top of a tree, and just writing. I don't know how he wrote so many tracks, wrote yeah. so many tracks. Yeah. yeah, and converted Europe from Calvinism. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's sliding them under people's – yeah, the printing press for St. Francis of Sales wasn't really an option. You know what I mean? I mean, so so here he was converting Europe back to Catholicism. And it, and I think uh, – maybe I'm wrong on this, but I remember St. Francis de Sales saying that he had a problem with patience and, and, and abrupt anger. He had a short and, fuse. Yeah, yeah and he, he worked on that so much that even when his enemies encountered him, they felt like they were encountering the face of God, yeah. you know. And yeah, they found uh, claw marks underneath his desk, and there's a there's a oh, there's a story about him uh, ticking off a heretic or something like that. And he goes, "Well, I see that I caused you some pain. <laughs> I think I'll go now." There's some, there's some great stories about somebody taking his hat. And he goes, "I took your." Apparently, back in those days, that was pre like a that was a pre offensive move. And they said, well, somebody, uh, they say in your religion to, uh, to turn the other cheek. What are you going to do? He goes, I know what the religion says. I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. <laughs> and they gave him his hat back. <laughs> but but St. Joe, on the other hand, and just listen to, you know, we know he spoke. So the whole idea of there's nothing written in Scripture that he said anything. We know he at least talked. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't mute. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't mute. But, but what happens there? Why is that? Why is God... You know why sometimes what is not said says something uh-huh. right and the fact that joseph's words aren't recorded in the scripture speaks profoundly about the 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 greatness of fatherhood that silent strong resolute father who doesn't have to be known to the world he doesn't have to be an orator he doesn't have to have his words you know captured in stone the father, he's like a tree in the backyard. You don't notice that it's growing. And then, you know, you get 15 years down the road, and you're like, whoa, that's huge, and it's bearing fruit. Well, that's the way fatherhood is. A friend of mine says, like, uh, he says that the father is like 
the stud behind the drywall, you know, it holds up the drywall, holds up the structure of the house, you know? And I would say human father's like that. He holds up the structure of his family secretly, he holds up the structure of the church secretly. And so I tell guys, I say, you know what this means? It means you can go home and tell your wife that you're a stud, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, the, but the point though is, is that we do this in a silent, strong, resolute way. And as Jesus says, what is hidden will be revealed. St. Joseph's hiddenness, in a sense, his secret life, Lathra, literally in the Greek, it says that he, when he went to divorce, not divorce, that's the incorrect translation, he decided to separate himself from Mary, and that, he, and it says privately, that Greek word for privately is Lathra, which is secret. And you look at St. Joseph's life, almost everything he did was in this kind of secret veil. And as Matthew 6, 6 says, uh, when you pray, when you give alms, do it in secret so that your Father who is in secret will reward you. The Heavenly Father is in secret. And therefore, the human Father reflects him by living this secret life of service to God. And by that, though, we have to trust, and this is the hard part for us, a lot of times we don't trust that God really is our Father, or we don't trust that God's going to reward us, or we don't have that filial relationship. So we seek value from men. We want to be affirmed. We want to be lauded. We want to be derive our value by what they say about us, but receive accolades and honors. But God says, trust me on this. Live a secret hidden life. It doesn't mean you don't carry out your business like you're doing or I'm doing. It just means don't do it to try to derive value and honor from men. Do it for me. As, as St. Paul says in Colossians 3, do all things for God, not for men, so as to please him. You know, so we do it for God, and then God will make sure if it's supposed to be, it will be revealed, you know, and he will reward us accordingly as he sees fit. But it's not for us to bring glory to ourselves. Yeah, it's the human respect thing. Uh, you might say something, now you're worried, oh, man, what is somebody going to think about you? Well, who cares what the other guys think about you as long as that guy thinks good about you? Amen. Uh, Alphonsus Amen. writes about a lot about that. We, we lose track of that all the time, though. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? And, and the reason we lose track of it is because we're deriving our significance from men rather than signifying God. Yes, yes, no, exactly. And goes back, sometimes I wonder if we don't have the the mind the mindsets from that. I, I bring up sports a lot. If you're playing ball, you do not care what the opponent thinks, your teammates sometimes think, the guys you're trying out are thinking. You care about mm -hmm. what the coach thinks of you. You don't care what the parents yeah. or anybody understands things. As long as the coach likes you, you're in good. And you work on that. It's kind of like you turn that into heaven. Again, you don't care what these other guys says. If someone's out there, they just hate you, putting blogs about you or anything like that. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, a friend of mine interviewed Father Michael Gately, and he said one of the things that Father Gately said that impressed him was when he's talking about uh, St. Faustina's uh, spiritual director, and he was to be on a, I think a TV show, or he's being interviewed or something. Maybe TV wasn't back then, but some kind of interview where he was before a crowd, and the the spiritual director was a little bit worried about how he looked. And Jesus told Saint Faustina, "I do not like that," you know. And so, our Lord is He wants us simply to be us. Because when we're really who we are, as St. Catherine of Siena says, we set the world ablaze. Become who you are, and you'll set the world ablaze. But it, it, it's demand, it demands us to really do our homework and to actually receive our identity in full, the human nature, 
the, the Holy Spirit in us, which is God's divine nature, and then our kingship, our mastery of self, and not to be ashamed of ourselves, which is so hard to do. I mean, sometimes I'm just ashamed of the way I look. You know, sometimes I'm ashamed of my personality. I mean, one guy actually wrote to me and he said, he said, because there's a picture of me on the website, and he said, that crease in your forehead, you just look like you're mad at the world, you know? And he, he said, you know, or maybe you had an accident like my little brother, he he has mental damage now, you know, because of this hammer hitting him in the head. Is that what happened to you? You know, but so, you know, like the devil wants to intimidate us in our flesh. He wants to say, look, you're ugly. You're not good enough. Don't show your face. But he also wants to intimidate us in our spirit. Don't let the Holy Spirit out. Don't become a manifestation or revelation of God's glory. Kink that hose. Don't let the rivers of, of, of Holy Spirit, of the life-giving waters well up within you because people will think you're weird. If you say the name of Jesus, people will be ashamed of you, you know? And so that's where we're at. We have to believe in who God is and that he's made us to be manifestations of his glory. And we have to trust that rather than bowing down to the world and being ashamed of ourselves. Amen to that. Yeah. How do you evangelize the world? Well, you just be yourself. Do, yeah. Be you. Don't. Who cares what anybody else thinks? And, and be a son of God. You know, be because to be myself is to be a son of God. And to be a son, to be a trust, trustworthy son is to, or a trusting son is to be a trusting father. It's all based on divine sonship. If I really trust God the Father, which is a proof of sonship, if I really trust God the Father, then I am going to become a trustworthy father. He can entrust much to me because he knows the little that he's already given me. I've been good with it, so more will be given. Yeah, Uniformity of God's Will by Alphonsus gets into that. It's, if anybody hasn't read that, again, I've mentioned it before, go get two copies, one for yourself and one to give away to someone else. Uh-huh, and practice right. with something small like not complaining about the weather. God wants it to be 190 degrees. I want it to be 190 degrees. Yeah. It wants it to rain. Stop complaining about being a rainy day. Okay, we'll do something. Have a contingency plan. We're going to do this. God wanted yeah. us. It wanted the rain today. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. Doesn't he say that the difference, there's a, 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 a distinction between conformity and uniformity. Mm-hmm. Conform is like, okay, I'll get along with this and I'll go with it. I'll just kind of accept it. Whereas uniformity is saying, Thy will be done. I want it too. Exactly. When you say that prayer, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven, do we mean those words? Yeah. And and it's it's so interesting. The whole our Father, I wonder how often we pray it and we don't mean most of it, you know? Um, I mean, just the very beginning, our Father. I mean, literally, God is Abba, Father. You know, he is our Father. Do we really believe that? Do we want his will to be done on earth? in my earth as it is in heaven you know do i want to be a self-sacrificial serving servant like god is in heaven the trinity is so self-giving they're literally one and in in essence and in and, and that is because they're in one another i mean or i don't know the essence makes them one another you know i don't understand the trinity but but that's the way we're supposed to live our life right is this self-sacrificial love that allows us to foster relationships become one with the other person Man, do I really want that sometimes? Is, and, you know, especially with people who are my enemies. And, re- and speak of that, it made me think of the uh, the the book by uh, Sister Beige on Saint Joseph when people would just go after him about thinking that he was treating his wife terribly or making his son work. How dare you do this? And he was heartbroken <laughs> to the core and crying to the family and doing everything he could not to have that happen. But our Lord would tell him, 
relax. This, don't worry about what these guys say. Yeah, yeah. And that's the key. Um, so often we live our life as slaves to, to human beings' respect. You know, and what they say, uh, human respect are shifting sands upon which no man should build his house. You know, and so we start. So the word significance, it's very interesting. Um, in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, significance is to be worthy of, a, of attention, importance. So if you get in there in that meaning, what does that mean? Well, it means that my value and my importance is determined by what people think is worthy about me. It's, de- it's completely determined by other people. Whereas the real word of significance is significare in the Latin, which is signi, sign, facare to make. So I'm called to be made into a sign that points to a transcendent reality, a reality that's beyond me. And so if I'm really gonna be alive, I become a living, breathing sign as, as uh, Ephesians 3.15 says, uh, I bend my knee before the Father of heaven and earth from whom all paternity derives its name. I am claimed, I am named in the image of God the Father. Therefore, I signify God. And when I signify God, my distinctive, distinct, uh, my distinction or my distinct personality is not lost. Mm-hmm. It's actually elevated. But that's what people think. They think, well, if I give my life to God, somehow my distinct personality will be swallowed up in God and I will not be who I'm called to be. Ain't wrong. Actually, when you bow down to what the world thinks of you and try to find worth and value in that, that's when your distinct personality is eradicated. And so, and we see it in the Trinity. The Trinity is three distinct persons whose identities remain intact, yet they are completely one. They're totally one, perpetually one. And so the more one we become with God, the more we become who we're supposed to be. We become actually who he's created us to be, which is full of life, glory, and and even power in in the right sense of that word. So pitch, uh, pitch the book. Tell us how to get it and uh, the website, yeah. the Fathers of St. Joseph site for you. Yeah, well, well, you can go to TAN, TAN Books, and they have uh, Custos available. Sometimes they run um, some pretty cool deals. But uh, so the rundown on Custos. Custos is a 33-day boot camp with St. Joseph chronologically walking with him through his the scriptures that refer to him to get to know him. But along that way, there's seven stages that have spiritual practices, as we talked about, that make this very practical to help you develop a blueprint for the rest of your life beyond day 33. So you can get Kustos, uh, Consecration Through St. Joseph, the 33-day preparation for fullness of divine sonship and spiritual fatherhood at TAN, or you can go to fathersofstjoseph.org and check out our website and other resources. And there you'll find um, things like the Catholic Father podcast and other resources on fatherhood, like the Meeting of Mystery Man, which Tan is also publishing. Very good. I'll have the links underneath in the show notes for everybody. And again, if you type SF15 at checkout on Tan's site, you get 15% off with the free shipping. So you got that. Uh, you won't get the scapular unless you go to, I think, the Father's site. Yeah, fathersofstjoseph.org. Yeah, yeah, Tan's not doing the scapulars, but you guys got that. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Fa- not not, yeah. not knocking the Tan thing. It's just that's their gig. <laughs> no, but Tan, Tan's version is beautiful. Yes. I, mean, I, think that's, I think that's the version you got. Yes, it's that the hard is, copy a, with the uh, a, yeah with the fold-out uh, jacket yeah, and all that hard that's copy. A beautiful, that's a beautiful-looking book. I mean, the hardcover and the dust jacket. I mean, mm-hmm. that's very nice. Yeah. So, yeah, finally, I, like I said, I, I did it. Uh 
I never done. I, I haven't done any other St. Joseph consecration, so I can't speak uh, on the other ones that are out there. But I thought this was excellent. Uh, if you're a fan of heavily uh, big time in virtue and scripture, uh, the prayers are in the back of each day, and obviously the litany. And there's still uh, when you get done. Uh, where's it at? Uh, I use it in the other book, the one that uh, Patrick, our friend, our friend Patrick O'Hearn, he gave me. Yeah. Um, this is just that. This is before. This is the consecration section over here. So you still got plenty of other prayers, the structure for a consecration, etc., in the back. So it's a solid resource. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, it's and it's heavily footnoted. I yes. Mean, this this isn't just pie in the sky. I mean, this is researched well where. I mean, we tapping into the church fathers, whether it's Augustine or Ambrose or uh, St. Bernard or Bernardine. I mean, like the, this is heavily footnoted and, and Father Philias um, is a great resource on St. Joseph. And, and you can find a lot of great quotes there from him. But yeah, this isn't like just, you know, oh, I made this up. I mean, this is this is based on the tradition of the church it's based on the truth of the scripture and so it's wholly solid very good so yeah again everything will be in the show notes sf15 check out get your kustos book uh get it for the men's group the men's group get together kfc knights of columbus get it get together anywhere there's men involved uh and if you don't share this with your husband uh husband share it with your friends <laughs> 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 Anyways, and if there's any way to contact Devin, uh, can you just go to the through the website or have anybody yeah, if they yeah, have any questions? Just, there's, an, there's an info at fathersofstjoseph.org. Email me uh, any question or comment. Love to hear from you. Again, everything be in the show notes. And Devin, thank you for uh, coming on and appreciate it. Yeah, this is great.